0: Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Cheta Dilal. We bring you yet another edition of this video blog where we're going to discuss a Supreme Court order about defaulters and what it means to the country and to bad debts. Now, look at the background. When the Finance Ministry admits in Parliament that banks have written off a stunning 10.09 lakh crore in bad debts in just five years from FY 2017-18 to FY 2021. Can you have any sympathy for corporate defaulters? Because this is money that should have gone into betterment of society. Instead, not only have 10.09 lakh crore been written off, but the government from the exchequer has infused 2.76 lakh crore to recapitalize banks money that should have been used for health, education, social upliftment. This is money that belongs to all Indians and who benefits. We call it recapitalization of banks, but this is to fill up that hole caused by bad loans and big, rich industrialists who sometimes dump those bad debts and go and sit in tax havens. Now, on 27th March, a Supreme Court judgment on the face of it said something that seemed to support defaulters. So a bench headed by Chief Justice Dananjay Chandrachud said in an order that banks must give borrowers a hearing before classifying the loan as a fraud. This is in line with the principles of natural justice. It evoked mixed reactions. Bankers, senior bankers are very upset because they think that this is only going to delay things, and hinder the effort to recover bad loans and that effort, mind you, has been going on for decades and the bad loans are just increasing, like this funny graph that just goes up, up and up. So the question that we're going to discuss today is, is this a fair order? Is it a first step to making banks more accountable for their action? Because they're saying a defaulter, maybe he's a defaulter, but give him a hearing this, when I say he, I mean even a corporate, because they may have something to say which has to be recorded. And when you declare the account of fraud and you go and file a case before the bankruptcy court for recovery, you need to have given a reasoned order before you do that. All of you who've been struggling with KYC know that banks don't bother to approach customers. Their attitude is exactly the same with borrowers. No notice and sudden action. Now, in this, they are supported by the master directions on fraud issued by the RBI in 2016. 2016 is a time when the government got really active about recovery of bad loans. Right. So the bankruptcy law was promulgated and RBI issued these master directions on fraud, which led to hundreds of corporate corporate borrowers who had defaulted on their loans being classified as fraud accounts. In most cases, bankruptcy proceedings are filed. And part of the process is also that you go and file a complaint with the Central Bureau of Investigation, which is the CBI. Now, some borrowers went to court, different courts across the country, to say that they were given no notice or hearing before banks initiated such precipitate action. They said, Unilateral action of this sort not only violated the principles of natural justice, but it had serious civil and reputational consequences for the borrowers. For instance, first of all, CBI action, you know how it is. There are raids, there are arrests. Litigation led to things being decided by various high courts. Some supported the banks and said, well, fraud is established, so it doesn't matter that you didn't get a notice. This is in line with the master directions. Some others supported the borrowers. One particular case was that of the Telangana High Court, which said principles of national justice should be read into RBI's master directions, even if it was not explicit. Now, RBI, State Bank of India rushed to court. So did some of those who had cases against them. All these were clubbed together in this 27th March judgment. The cases before the Supreme Court included one part transmission and distribution company in the Telangana High Court case, where the court supported the stand that principles of natural justice should be followed. Another was a rice and edible oil company, where the lower court said, doesn't matter, there was a forensic audit, there was fraud, and doesn't matter the natural justice part. Action can be taken. Third was a Hyderabad hotel where the borrower knew about the special audit, cooperated with it. But one fine day, when an FIR was served to him, he realized that his account had been classified as a fraud and action had been initiated. No notice, even when he is cooperating. Again, the forensic audit came up with adverse findings. So the court said, sorry, doesn't matter about natural justice. The Supreme Court noticed that master directions of the RBI do not require any notice to be given to the borrowing company, to its promoters, or to even inform them about the final decision by the banks. The Supreme Court also agreed with borrowers that there are serious consequences to this action when no principles of natural justice are followed, no notice is given. It agreed that there is reputational damage, there is stigma when a CBI complaint is filed. And second, that the company as well as its promoters, and this is a serious one, are immediately debarred from accessing any institutional finance, bank credit, credit markets for five years. This impacts the fundamental rights of individuals concerned, especially when it is done without giving them a hearing. This was the SC's view. So its order mentions that when the hearings were going on, RBI sided with banks, It argued that their actions were not arbitrary. This is what was intended by the master directions. So don't read anything into it. We do not feel the need for notice. And all this was done because we want early detection and timely reporting of fraud. Case after case, if you watch my video blogs in the past, you will know that it takes years and years. Banks are actually in no hurry to declare anyone a fraud or even worry about what is being done with the money. Be that as much may, RBI argued that all consequences faced by accused, those accused of fraud, were preventive measures and without these measures, the master directions will be rendered toothless. Luckily, the Supreme Court wasn't impressed. Justice Chancellor Schultz's order said a final decision by a review committee declaring the borrower a willful defaulter must be a reasoned order. It needn't be as good as a judgment, so it needn't be on the same pedestal as a court judgment, but reasons must be noted and they must comport with fairness by indicating due application of mind. This is bad for banks because when banks have not done their job, not kept a watch on what the borrower is doing, not got their documents right, when you give a formal hearing and the other party a chance, they're going to point out that you didn't ask us, you didn't ask us for guarantees, you didn't ask us things. So obviously, banks like these master directions, they don't want any notice to be served. What is the impact of the Supreme Court order? Will there really be a delay in loan recovery and fraud detection if banks took just that little time for a reason order? Or will it be positive, as in banks turn more accountable because their shoddy lending practices will be exposed? Well, views differ. The head of a lending institution believes that what may seem like a nice order will actually give fraudulent promoters and companies one more way to cheat the system. He argues that banks are anyway hesitant and slow to declare fraud, not because their work is shoddy, but because it immediately requires them to make a 100% provision for the loan. Once you say fraud, There is no question of part provision, 100% has to be provided. Banks don't want that, it affects their capital. Also, they are worried that the borrower may sue them. I don't know in how many cases this has happened, but the fact is that banks are ever willing to, I call it collude with borrowers for restructuring of loans, restructuring interest. This has happened time and time again, where a loan that was originally a few hundred crores ends up being a few thousand crores and the person vanishes. In fact, the late Dr. Casey Chakravarti, the former deputy governor of the Reserve Bank of India, and also a trustee on Money Life Foundation, often told us that by the time a bank is willing to call a loan a default or classify a borrowing as a non-performing asset, there's actually nothing to recover. They've looked at everything, there are problems with guarantees, and like I said earlier, I've said it in my past videos. Same time, Dr. Chakravarty also deplored the fact that there is no lender's liability. He agreed that banks do not treat people fairly. So lender's liability is not even enshrined in the Fair Practices Code on lender's liability, which was introduced in 2003. Like the consumer charter, it's a motherhood statement. You'll find it on the websites of all banks. It's empty words, not followed in practice ironically, mischief by banks and the likelihood of them colluding with defaulters and asset reconstruction companies was fully recognized in 2002. But instead of coming up with a lender's liability law, they came up with this pointless, toothless code because banks successfully lobbied against it. You know, banks are powerful and they lobby against anything that will make them accountable. So there's too much of CBI action. They will say, oh, we're too scared to lend. Now, if there is lenders' liability, which makes them accountable for what they do to not only borrowers, it should be even to customers, they will find ways to scuttle it so that there are no rules, there are no SOPs. I have repeatedly highlighted dodgy documentation, meaningless guarantees, turning a blind eye to the systematic siphoning of funds. Nothing happens. No, very, very few bankers are ever held accountable. Chairman and officers who sanction the loan and collude with borrowers, even collude with restructuring, sometimes coming up as within two, three years, all of them are retired and gone far before any of this action is ever initiated, undertaken or thought of. In fact, by the time a forensic audit is ordered and personal guarantees are invoked, there is some other officer there who notices that there is nothing. There is just a piece of paper listing assets with no follow-up action to create a legally binding lien on any of those assets so that it can be liquidated. All this has led to 90% plus haircuts and liquidation because nobody is even interested in the shell and hundreds and thousands of crores have been written off, talked about the number of firms. So to my mind, this is a fair judgment. While the RBI officials stand may defend the master director, On fraud, senior central bankers that I spoke to supported the judgment. They didn't want to be quoted naturally because the RBI stand is different. One central banker, in fact, told me that banks treat large borrowers who end up as big defaulters very differently from smaller borrowers. In fact, many banks routinely classify loan accounts as a fraud simply because there is a default. Doesn't matter that the default may not really be the fault of the person who can't pay anymore. They realize then that they don't have tangible collateral because they have not bothered with proper documentation at the time of dispersal. There's no lender's liability, so they are not accountable for the damage that is caused to the business. If they come to a stop, they take away assets, but they are not ever held accountable. In fact, often the borrower is forced to default for things that are beyond his control. Government undertakings delay payments. This happens in power, construction, highways, They're notorious for it. Defaults can also be triggered by government decisions. Sudden change in duties, in taxes, import, custom, whatever, raw material costs, the project itself becomes unviable and it's no fault of the person setting it up. He loses more money. Central and state governments also have reneged on payment obligations. Not only that, they further tie up the contracting companies in legal disputes. So you can't do anything, you're stuck and you don't have the money to pay because you haven't been paid for the work you've done. Holding them accountable is prolonged and expensive litigation, which is under nobody's control in India. Many such cases when the borrowers are not at fault, banks quite happily call them willful defaulters because they want their record straight. Allowing a borrower to be heard allows all this to come on record and to place facts. The central banker that I quoted about says he has come across one case where the documentation was so shoddy that a 100-crore loan was sanctioned to an innerware company manufacturing uh, banyans in West Bengal without even verifying the company's address. Forget about personal guarantees and other documents. That basic address was wrong. Another banker who has worked with a repeatedly bailed out bank and has been active in exposing bank lending practices, says bankers sleep for years, allow the loot without doing anything, most often in collusion, and then wake up to initiate action. In his own case, he says, his former employer filed a CBI report naming him as the official responsible for a bad loan. And he had, in fact, left the bank five months before the loan was even sanctioned. Kept writing to the managing director with a copy to the CBI, All this was happening 10 years later. The bank just simply ignored him because they were happy to make him a scapegoat. He says he's very fortunate that the CBI at least paid attention, looked at facts and discharged him. Now, bankers, as we know, are no saints. So RBI stands before the apex court that its master directions are fine and RBI and banks don't need to follow the principles of natural justice are quite amazing and a matter of concern. You don't even need to send a notice or give a hearing. There is a pattern in this attitude of the RBI ignoring complaints against banks and refusing to hold them accountable or impose stiff penalties. We as consumers and customers face this all the time, isn't it? Whether you're taking a motorcycle loan a home loan or it's just your credit cards or updation of KYC, banks have the power to initiate draconian action Here we're talking about a borrower being called a fraudster. In our case, it's our money which is with the bank, kept in trust, and they just stop access to it. You can't issue checks. The government wants us to move into banking and checks. Don't keep cash. What happens if your account is just frozen one day? Your hard-earned money. And what if you're not in town and you can't use that ATM anymore? RBI and its banking ombudsman invariably allow banks to fudge facts, make false claims, say the customer is always at fault, and in no case that we remember have they compensated the person who suffered for their hardship or given them costs. In fact, when have you heard, yes, there are a few cases in major scams where bankers have gone to jail, but otherwise in case after case that I have read on internal documents, it is that they have not found any collusion. How wonderful, isn't it? Unfortunately, as disaggregated customers, we find it impossible to go to the Supreme Court like borrowers did and get a fair order. So, all said and done, so fair order. Yes, they may be defaulters, yes, they haven't paid, but everybody requires a hearing and a recent order. If you agree with this, do share this video. And Let us all find a way to get together so that we are not disaggregated sufferers. Thank you so much.